Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sloppy Lab. Uh, I'm JT Russell, and uh, we thought General Order 24 was bad. The Jedis sure didn't like General Order 66, but oh mama, General Order 3457 is a doozy. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I apologize to Star Wars fans listening to JT Russell. It's Everyone knows it's just called Order 66, not General Order 66. Or The Order, I mean... I mean, you might just say the order, I guess. I don't know. But then you get it's confusing. I don't know. I do appreciate General Order 3457, though. That's that's a really good one. Might be my favorite one yet. Oh, okay. Oh, and the chat asking you, Quick Draw, if you got a new camera or oh, just an angle. Originator, I'm so glad you noticed. No, I did not. This is the same camera, but I built myself a nice little uh, computer stand. So I have a proper angle from the camera to my face. It's ergonomically better, makes me look probably better on camera, as you've already noticed. So, yeah, thanks, thanks, Murph. Yeah, and it comes with a free haircut. No, you know, <laughs> free free haircut as well. Yes, this is, and uh, a free T-shirt as well. I mean, like all kinds of new stuff this week in store, uh, in the Sloppy Lab, and uh, there's gonna be lots of new stuff shown after this as well. If you're normally a podcast listener, you're gonna want to check out the Twitch bod when this is over and okay. uh give it a watch although by the time if you're just a podcast listener by the time you get this it might not actually be a big deal anyway who knows <laughs> well we shall see some uh some foreshadowing for sure and to that end we should probably also get out of the way that we're going to be talking about some winds of exchange cards uh, so there will be spoilery things here if uh you're hoping to be spoiler free at this point then be warned be warned they're they're coming uh this is, though, uh, a double-sided artifact episode. We haven't done one of these in a, in a little little bit. Or maybe no, we have. Uh, yeah, yes you, and no. I think you usually wait till I leave to do them, even though this is my favorite recurring segment we have. I love the double-sided artifacts. We haven't done one in a while. We've done one in a while. I think, uh, I think I, Fudgenator was a guest host the last time we did them. Dry the River. Yeah, we did Dry the River with Murph. That was a lot of fun. Um I don't think we technically had one for Astron. We should we should make a point of having, or we we did not, but we should make a point of having some double side artifacts uh, for our guests. Uh, and I I wouldn't mind doing Quixel Stone again at some point. Maybe I wouldn't maybe mind if... doing Whirlpool again at some point. Okay, who would you bring on for Whirlpool though? Like, you know, I, I like... don't know anyone that likes Whirlpool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> good, good one, Fudgenator. I like that. Dry the River was definitely full of dry humor. Um, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know what we could do is have the Whirlpool Quixel Stone episode combined because those two together, I am looking for a Winds of Exchange deck with both of those together. If you see one out there, let me know because it's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, that's that's maybe a good way to revisit each of those cards. Yeah, well, I, I know that... Uh... Or I've heard heard rumors. I heard rumors that Ned Mike, Mister Quixel himself, got a Quixel Stone in a namesake deck that had Mister Quixel in the name or something. Yeah, that and that's a, just that is a true story. Yeah, that's I think a it true actually story. said Quixel King, Quixel and it came King. with a Quixel Stone. So I should have I, <laughs> I should have put Whirlpool King in my my game found. I know. I was like, I should have put uh, JT Russell, who gets lateral shift in every house, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> lateral, yeah. yeah. I wonder. That's such a coincidence to call it Quixel King and get a Quixel Stone. Like, 
I wonder if there's some algorithm things going on. Like, I feel like someone did an analysis in the past about uh, when your deck has this name in the title, you're more likely to get this card. And I mm. wonder if Quixel or like another word like that might be a similar thing. Interesting. I've definitely, I've definitely noticed like name card correlations, but that's also me looking at it in hindsight with lots of bias to be like, Ooh, look yeah. like the name in yeah. the card, you know, for definitely. sure. <laughs> uh, confirmation bias, I believe is what that's called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the chat saying Ned Mike would be great for Quixel stone. hundred percent agree. We, we covered Quixel stone, but I feel like uh, I feel like with winds of exchange, there are some new facets to uncover. Um, I, I'm actually, I think I mentioned this once before, but I'm actually considering for the upcoming vault tour, a deck with Quixel stone primarily because of the interaction that Quixel stone has with tokens. Um, and, and this deck is not a winds of exchange deck it has, makes no tokens. Um, but I like the idea of, I like the idea of being able to play my own creatures while they make tokens or just having no creatures. I'm like cool with either of those, um, things, but anyway, that's for another day, not for today. Not well, for today. No, but the token stuff, it does have, it, it, it's kind of like flipped a lot of things on its head. You know, like the Quixel Stone is one example of a card that kind of just changes how it, it's played because of the existence of tokens. Um, Whirlpool only slightly, but one of the cards we're going to talk about is an older card and it completely changes like what you look for in this card uh, now that Winds of Exchange is out compared to before. And we're talking about Autocannon. Did you ever in your life, before this set came out, seek out autocannon? Uh, no. I don't no. know if anyone did. <laughs> I mean, like... you know, I sought out autocannon plus bad penny plus yeah, soul snatcher. <laughs> right. But... I think everyone did. And I think I heard someone paid hundreds of dollars for one. Mm -hmm. um, there's very few of those that exist. But yeah, like that's a niche combo for, with autocannon. That was like pretty much all it was good for prior to Winds of Exchange. And. This one definitely counts as a double-sided artifact. Um, one of the ones we're going to talk about later, we're going to kind of like do some loose interpretation of the double-sided artifact. But Autocannon, in my opinion, is completely changed. And it's now a card that I, in the right deck, will be seeking out. Uh, in the wrong deck, it could just be a terrible card that you would discard every single time uh, because of tokens. But it's a card that you actually have to look for in decks now. If you're playing Winds of Exchange... And if you have something like, I don't know, a trader or maybe a blurb or uh, possibly a prospector, you know, you have to think about that. But it totally changes your game plan if you're seeing the autocan on the opponent's list, which I don't think is something that we've ever had to think about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about this too. Do, would you be happy to see an autocannon when you've got prospector as your token? I mean... I feel like I'm usually wanting to stockpile prospectors and then have a big windfall or have a big kind of haymaker play as opposed to incremental advantage. Like, yeah, I think, I think it's going to depend on the prospector deck. Like yeah, prospector is one of the best ways to get efficiency in winds of exchange. And I think if you're playing against a prospector deck and you're not exactly sure of like how it usually likes to play with the prospectors, what, how it can take advantage of it. I could see a lot of players saying, dang, I got to discard this auto cannon because every token generator becomes draw card, which sounds really bad, I think. Uh, it's not as bad, though, as having the ability to reap with all these prospectors and then draw cards anyway. Or like you said, the Big Bang play where you try to set up like six of them 
destroy them all at once, draw a bunch of cards, have a big combo turn. I think that's where like the real meat of the prospectors is going to be in is that like critical mass of prospectors where you just kill them all in one turn and then you have a big combo. So I do think auto cannon is a pretty good card uh, if you're facing a prospector deck, but it will totally change how you play that game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. I mean, the I have a prospector deck that looks very spicy and it it's totally of the of the you know wanting to amass a whole bunch mass buyout or champions challenge it has a legacy champions challenge is that legacy no champions challenge no, i think it's just in the set okay so it's a different deck that has a legacy loot the bodies alongside champions challenge which is pretty fun uh, but i couldn't recall at the top that's of my head good, which is a, a legacy. legacy yeah yeah that that's, that's fun but yeah, it's like, you know, you want the mass buyouts and the like, okay, I draw those, draw these cards. And then it's also got the, uh, not Wheel of Fortune, but Winds of Change uh, counterpart, the one that you discard your hand and draw the, the same number. So not Punk, but uh, Punk Light. I forget what it's called too. Yeah. We'll learn these cards eventually. And uh, and yeah, so really cool. But I think, uh, I think you mitigate the tokens, the Prospector specifically, at least from a lot of the, the big combo-y Prospector decks that I've seen um by just kind of keeping them from getting a critical mass and autocannon seems pretty good at doing that i mean uh data force stream in this chat saying that yeah autocannon just completely wrecks some of the woe decks that are out there totally i mean any of the one power tokens are essentially essentially kind of turned off i mean prospector does a thing but your bots you know Mm -hmm. your clerics uh is it clerk or disciple the cleric cleric is a one yeah one capture one priest is a one raider is a one they're like a lot of them are just token generators are almost dead cards um against Mm -hmm. autocannon so in that regard if you are relying on a one power token you might also need to be packing some r if you can and obviously you don't (laughs) have the option uh it's take it or leave it but um it autocannon will make up for a lot of lack of c um in in winds of exchange i think there is a pretty good amount of it and there's a lot of fighting going on um, I've played a few games with Winds of Exchange so far. There is definitely more fighting, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on the next card. But having the auto cannon against stuff like the traders that just action steal one, it takes away a lot of your need to fight, which will open up your ability to reap a little bit more. So it's a really key card in the right matchups. But I would say against older decks, like not just Winds of Exchange, like you really have to think twice about like, uh, do I play this versus a Rad Penny? or a QMEX or things like mm-hmm. that. Like I see a lot of players with QMEX, especially just kill it immediately and just go for the draw. And this doesn't even, they don't even have to go out of their way to kill it anymore. You know, it would, uh, so I think auto cannon is still like a questionable play versus decks that spam rad pennies and things like that. Um, but other than that, the only things you're really looking for, like a misery exploit, if your opponent has that, that would be bad. Um, a Darna, as someone mentioned, I think in chat is another good one that you would look for if you have the auto and the auto cannon. That one's tough though, as the auto cannon's coda, uh, but not AOA. So we we actually made use of Darna. So I think actually uh, Zoc Dataforge Stream played in the ABR Jank Artifact Week, uh, uh, which is not this past ABR where you had to play seven plus artifacts, but one where you got to bring a double sided artifact and have it permanently in play. Um, kind of outside of your deck, it was sort of the like commander-esque, right? Bring an artifact, it's always in play. And uh, I want to say Zoc played, uh, chose to bring an autocannon with like a quad Darna deck from AOA. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and got to do some some cool stuff there. Yeah, I would have expected uh, for that format to be a lot of the bad penny soul snatcher auto cannon, like you talked about. There is some of that because you you know you get to have either the auto cannon or the soul snatcher. Um, that format is was an interesting one. There is some there's some silliness that happened, but it would be it's it was kind of a cool example of how you can challenge folks to kind of kind of deep think into a format and see what's going to be good and what's not. And uh, there was sort of a mini meta that kind of evolved. And I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this from a couple angles, but the wide openness of Keyforge is so great because uh, there's just a lot of viable options. But as soon as you constrict it a little bit, some of these better strategies tended to emerge and folks were converging on some, some kind of clear archetypes and I kind of weak. So it was, it was interesting to see definitely a cool experiment. Oh, and a, a nice note from the chat to here um, that we should we should kind of mention is worth mentioning. Autocannon specifically says that it does damage to the creature when it enters play, as opposed to being played. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and then Fudgenator pulled it up. Uh, deal one to each creature after it enters play. So that applies to tokens, and that applies to regular creatures. We we talked about that wording recently too for Quixelstone. And not to get too off topic, but Quixelstone, the reason why you're talking about it um, and how it kind of changes how that artifact is played is that it still allows you to generate tokens even if you have more creatures on board than opponent. So it does let you get around it a little bit. And I think you were talking about playing it in a deck that is not a token deck, an older deck. Anyway, I, I don't want to get us too off topic, but yeah, it's just another example of like the wording of these enters play, which is what tokens will do. You will never play tokens. But yeah, don't don't even jar them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be that would be uh, a pretty big blunder. Uh, once you're not on TCO, I wonder if TCO would even let you name it. Probably. Probably. I mean, it's a card in the game. I'd be yeah. surprised if it wasn't in the prompt. Um, I think it's a valid thing to name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why it would stop you. It would be something, a poor choice. <laughs> yeah, something to look out for in real life play too, when there's not a computer that will tell you, are you sure you want to end your turn right now? And uh, you just say Eaton's Jar Prospector and you're like, okay, carry on. <laughs> Question from the chat, if I can jar the tide. I know a lot uh, of folks who would. <laughs> Murph, I can't believe Fudgenator, DT best set of all people is the person to ask that question. I think Murph means they want to put the tide in a jar and take it with them close to their heart wherever oh, they go. Uh, I don't know about that. I hope so. <laughs> Let's give them benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'm going to totally. believe that. Um, so, autocannon. You like to see it in your Winds of Exchange deck? Yeah, your nay. I am happier to see it in Winds of Exchange provided I have a, well, now, now come all the caveats, right? Provided I don't have a one power token. And I'm also not sure that it really encourages fighting, especially for effects that want my creatures to survive a fight. So if I'm playing, well, one of the other artifacts we're going to talk about later, if I'm going to be playing Ancient Battleground, I might not also want to have an autocannon if I'm uh, if I'm intending to play that Ancient Battleground, um, because I not only want to be fighting, but I want my creatures to survive the fight. So if that one damage is going to start all of a sudden meaning a lot of my creatures die in their fights, I may be sad. Winds of Exchange does have the Cleansing Wave-esque card um, that heals and then has each of the creatures that were healed capture. That's right. It's Absolve, yeah. Absolve, thank you. So not as good as the Cleansing Wave, but Absolve does have a pip this time, whereas Cleansing Wave doesn't. And you heal one from each creature. Each damage healed captures one from its opponent. So yep. not bad. A little synergy with the Autocannon. Nothing game-breaking. I did have uh, a pretty sweet 
play earlier today with the Renewed Life, where you heal a creature and you make a token for each damage healed. And I was able to make eight traders at one time with it. Eight traders? Eight traders or eight uh, prospectors? Traders, uh, the ones that one power action steal one. So uh, when you're staring down a board of those, you know that you have to handle them quickly because they will take you off check at, at 11. Cool card, though. But if autoencoder were out, it would have eliminated that entire play. It's definitely going to hose a whole bunch of decks. Uh, and I mean, yet to be seen if the decks that it hoses are ones that are really going to be we're, what we're going to be watching out for the top tables or not. Um, I, I, think, I, suspect, I think Prospector. Yeah. I think Prospector for sure. I don't think the Berserkers terribly care, care a ton other than that the rest of the suite, your Brobner suite, probably also wants to be fighting. And whether or not those duders want to also be destroyed will we'll maybe put, put in question. We'll see. Yeah. I think th what I've seen so far, I've opened a lot of Brobnar. <laughs> I mean, that's like sort of sort of a humble brag. I know everyone loves Brobnar and Winds of Exchange. I've opened an absurd amount of Brobnar. Of the 27 that I've opened, I think like 19 or 20 have been Brobnar. Like, it's just an absurd ratio. But it means that I've got to play a lot of Brobnar, and fighting is definitely a thing again, which is really awesome. And when I say it's a thing again, I mean it's a thing for the first time since playtesting of Call of the Archons. It's it's like real. You actually want to fight. And it's really cool. Um, I think it adds a lot to the game. We're seeing like deck composition in Winds of Exchange is a bit different. Like You noted that there's a lot fewer creatures in general because mm -hmm. of the token generators, probably. Um, I think there's a little bit less creature control actions. Uh, that's just anecdotal. I don't have any, any evidence of that yet, but it feels like that, that is the case for a lot of my decks, which in Winds of Exchange Sealed encourages you to fight more. Um, it's necessary, really. And so I've really enjoyed it. I think it's been an excellent Sealed experience in Winds of Exchange, um, largely because you are fighting more than you would in uh, previous sets. No, totally. I mean, I, I guess the games that I've played have been somewhat colored by facing down... Um, Berserkers for my brother, <laughs> which is the deck that he's most excited about right now. And actually, in our our play by post games with uh, not tonight, um, there's been a decent amount of fighting too. So, yeah, yeah, and I'd agree with you what you said. It does feel like there's an awful lot less action type cards that just deal with creatures, kind of sans uh, sans downside or or without uh, kind of hoops to jump through. Um, a lot less just sort of like, okay, wiping the board and moving on. There's sort of some hoops or there's some conditions. Yeah. May have something to do with there being no diss anymore. You don't have cards like Implosion, Gateway, yeah. Dance of Doom, all kinds of stuff that just destroys creatures. Kind of not there anymore. Yeah. So making it up with fighting and also, yeah, super happy to see fighting become more of a, I don't know, getting a little bit of a boost, a little bit of a, little bit of a push, if you will. I'm excited. I think it's always cool when you know, one of the things that's pitched to you as one of the like fun and, and like, you know, flavorful parts of a game also becomes, you know, top tier relevant, ostensibly top tier relevant, uh, more so. I mean, there are definitely decks that I've wanted to fight before. Uh, and we did a whole episode on that too, but I think this kind of pushes it to a new level. So super, uh, <laughs> super, super excited. Uh, question from the chat too. If by fighting, we mean interaction with person across the table. If you're playing your brother, yes. That will go poorly for me. <laughs> uh, little brother beating up on the big brother. Big, big little brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of fighting, we have a few other cards to get to that definitely involve fighting. 
Uh, and we'll talk first about Shattered Throne, which is making a comeback. It was in, I believe, just uh, Worlds Collide. Is that right? Just Worlds Collide. Yep. Yeah. And it could have been, it's like a, a hint of like what could have been for Worlds Collide Brobnar. You know, like with a little bit more push, I think Worlds Collide Brobnar could have been like the fighting house that we're seeing now. Like it was pretty close. They just made a few minor missteps, I think. And if they could have encouraged the fighting like a brick nasty, I used to say that Coward's End, if Coward's End were in Worlds Collide Brobnar, it would have made the house playable because Worlds Collide just really lacks creature control. And Brobnar offers that, obviously, but it just felt like they took away Coward's End and they put in Volcano, which is just a straight downgrade. Had they added something like Brick Nasty at that time as well, it really could have like changed people's tunes about Brobnar and what it's able to do in Worlds Collide. Yeah, I mean, I think you needed maybe one or two more cards that rewarded fighting on top of having one or two creatures you know non-narp creatures that went over the top of the dinos um because it was it's really tough to be kind of you know we're the fighty house but like the, the dinos are bigger so this is kind of awkward um yeah. and i mean i i will definitely um, make the argument that worlds collide brobnar is underrated uh in general i have a lot of worlds collide brobnar decks that i that i wow. enjoy yeah wow um but we need, but we need I, a hot take emoticon or something. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard anyone say that before. Yeah. Um, so, but I don't know. But I, I mean, hundred percent agree. Uh, I think the things that were missing, missing there, it feels like they're kind of hitting their stride. And honestly, maybe knocked the Saurians down a peg or two. Didn't hurt. Yeah. Didn't hurt the yeah. old Robnar cause. You know. Well, um, it could have helped. I think for sure. Um, but we have Shattered Throne now coming back, and I don't think very many people played with it at a competitive level before, just because it was in a house that you never wanted to play in a competitive level. But now a lot of people think Brobnar is the best house this set, which is pretty close. It certainly is close. Uh, you're going to see Shattered Throne a lot more, and it is double-sided, so if you're playing against it, don't forget to capture when you fight. It does provide some A in a set where I, I don't think there is like abundant A in this set. Brobnar has some pretty good amber control. Rant and Rive is the one that first comes to mind. But Shattered Throne giving you the ability to take them off check in any house, I think is pretty interesting. And it's something that you might actually have to look for if you don't have a lot of other amber control in your Winds of Exchange deck. Uh, but at the same time, you also have to be cognizant that they can do the same thing to you from playing this card. It might help you out and get you some amber control, but um, a savvy opponent's going to just be able to, to take that right back from you. Yeah, totally. I have uh, I've played uh, Shattered Throne a little bit uh, in the past. I don't have a you know an Archon contender type deck that I would that I uh, you know features Shattered Throne in a big way, uh, but have played it in you know Saskep events or things like uh, things like Moirai or or, or Adaptive, um, and most of the time when you're using it or when I've used it, it's to sort of stall and stall and then hopefully build up to some sort of a, a steal or punishment for when they reclaim that amber and then have a lot. You know, so you think, okay, I'm going to fight and capture and then reap and then you finally kill my big dudes with lots of amber on them and I've got the graft waiting. Or uh, the deck that, I, that I've that i got pulled up on the stream right here is the uh, the Implacable Spirit Caller. It's coming at 60 SAS. Uh, it's a deck that I've played in, you know, SAS gap events right around 60 uh, which features Shattered Throne and Double Cutthroat Research. Loves to fight, loves to kind of push your opponent off the board. And then uh, and then eventually, once they've dealt with your dudes, you've got 
the cutthroat research is available. And I think this is actually kind of, you know, also hinting at, uh, hinting at where the worlds collide, or not sorry, the worlds collide, the winds of exchange Brobnar gets to shine in the Amber Control world. Because, you know, we don't even need two houses anymore. You can do the same thing, but with Rant and Rive, uh, which, I'm, which I'm super, super jazzed about. So, you know, if you want to stop at six, that's fine. But at one fight and you're off check. And now I have an Amber sitting on my Brobnar dude. And uh, either you go to go to six again, I fight again, or you, you burst up and... Um, and I can go right back into that same house, maybe kill off my my giant, and then uh, and then nuke half your amber, which is which is pretty cool. So I think you know you look at rant and rive, and you're like, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to play around it. Is this going to be super impactful? But I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of hot on it. Not going to lie, especially oh, it's, it's incredible. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, better or better or worse? Do you think than cutthroat research? Much better. I think Ooh. no question. Yeah. Okay. Cutthroat is is pretty rare to actually like fire off and steal. It needs some good synergy, but what it cannot do by itself is take them off check. And Rant and Rive can do that up to ten. Uh, I'll take Rant and Rive. I think every day. So I don't I don't disagree with you. Rant and Rive can take you off check, but they'll both fire under the same conditions, right? Like they're both going to fire at eight or more. Yeah, I think I think that's a difference maker though to like take off check because yeah. so many times you're like your opponent gets to eight. And you have this amazing logos hand, but all you can do is steal two, and that's game. I mean, I'd much rather have that ability to take off check, especially if you're, you know, um, lining up some other potential synergies, even if it's not the third key. You know, like there are some things in Winds of Exchange that you can tax with. Like you were talking about, like what's the payoff for the Shattered Throne? Like in, in the Implacable Spirit Caller, you have the Cutthroats. In Winds of Exchange, you might have like a Faust, which could combo really well with Shattered Throne. Uh, you might have mixed the tall minded, which can tax for all the Mars creatures that you have out. So there are like more difficult ways to punish it. There's nothing as straightforward as like a graft or a TMTP, uh, but there is some stuff. And with the increased focus on fighting in the Shattered Throne, um, Rant and Rive is another way to do it. Um, yeah, are we talking about Rant and Rive? Are we talking about <laughs> Shattered Throne now? <laughs> Rant and Rive is is really an incredible card. No chains with it. It's like you think about a. Uh, What's that that Brobnar action that we played a couple weeks ago that we both actually like? Power of Fire. Like mm-hmm. we have, we both have some interesting uh, decks that we like with Power of Fire. This is just like flat out better. You know, it only affects the opponent. It gives you a pip to start. You don't have to destroy a creature. You don't get any chains. Like this card is like, I think it's the only scaling air control card in Winds of Exchange. If I'm not mistaken. I you could make an argument for what closed door negotiations but mm. eh, it's a stretch i i think you might be right you might be right um and i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty hot on it too so i wouldn't argue the point that be out oh. of bait and switch retrain yeah it is like the bait and switch retrain yeah brobner is definitely back and here's another reason why it's like in winds of exchange you have the scaling amber control with brobner you have burst with brobner with the brick nasty which you can get in multiples you have creature control just from the fighting and from a lot of actions out of hand that can deal three or four they just have very powerful creatures i think that this is like the house that's going to have the closest to to having everything in the set with maybe the exception being equidon equidon does some really insane things and it has efficiency and it has artifact control um so those two houses are like really what i'm looking for every time I open a Winds of Exchange deck. And it's mm. because of their versatility. Like, there's not many many houses in the game from a single set 
that can provide you with some pretty good amber control and some bursts and some creature control at the same time. Like all of those things are pretty hard to come by and Brabno does all three of them pretty well, this set. Cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, not going to disagree with you. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I've opened, I think, two Shattered Throne, Shattered Throne decks. Uh, I'm not playing one this evening. Uh, definitely like its synergy with Rant and Rive. I think my, <laughs> I keep staring back to Rant and Rive. <laughs> we have to change the name of the episode. I think my biggest, my biggest gripe, my biggest gripe with Rant and Rive, my deck with two heavy subsidies has zero Rant and Rive. This is uh, just unforgivable. <laughs> unforgivable. Heavy subsidies is going to be a great topic for this this podcast in the future because we both love that card. I want to play some games with it first before I start to talk about it because it seems like it's a pretty complex card. Shattered Throne, though, is one that a lot of us are familiar with, Autocannon as well. But we do have a new card that's Winds of Exchange exclusive that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to make the case that Ancient Battleground is a double-sided artifact. Okay. I, I want to hear it, but first... But first, but first, I have a new uh, semi-regular segment to introduce, Quick Draw. So if, if you don't mind, I want to I just do that real quick. I'm, I don't know what's coming. Yeah, and by semi-regular segment, I mean we're going to do it once. And then <laughs> <laughs> Stay sloppy. Yeah, this, this is, we're making it official. We're calling it uh, Billion Dollar Plans, $5 Blunders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've been there. We've been there, and I. Uh, this this comes from uh, this comes from a Moirai match, the Moirai a Moirai League match. So the the Swindle folks are running a Moirai League uh, right now, which uh, is super cool. Are you going to call me out for this one, or did you make a, a similar mistake? No, this is me. This one's. Oh, all I'll, on I'll me. talk about mine right after this. Then. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so I was playing against uh, uh, Linusu of the Nordic Keyforge podcast fame. And uh, this was the reversal match, so I got to steal their Dark Depths deck, Dark Depths, and uh, Dark Discovery. Dark Discovery, Deep Dive. Nope, D- Dive Deep. Dive Deep. Okay, Dive Deep's the one where you help me out here. Oh, I you don't can tell how many you... times I've played this one. <laughs> we we can <laughs> we can all see where this is going now. <laughs> see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly the card. Dive Deep. Okay. So I played Dive Deep on my first turn after their turn one, okay? They played a Shadows creature their turn one. I played Dive Deep, boom, Shadows, easy, right? Tuck that card underneath. Their next turn, they, I mean, it might have been two turns later. They'll say their next turn, they they threw out, you know, three, three disc creatures. I'm like, all right, great enough, great enough. And then I go into uh, Logos, excuse me, Untamed, and play their Maverick, uh, think twice, which is super cool, by the way. Maverick, think twice, wow. awesome. Dive deep again. Uh, they have only disc creatures in play. Of course, I flip a discard uh, off the top. It. I'm looking at their disc creatures, and I'm like, oh, the succubus. Uh, this other one looks pretty good. I'm like, I'm gonna take the succubus. I write down succubus. Okay, don't don't call the police on me. Oh, I'm taking notes. You yeah. even took notes. I even took notes. I I have like I have a piece <laughs> of paper with succubus written on it. <laughs> And then the last minute, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to take the pit demon. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. And then, uh, and then like the next turn, the next turn. So we're talking turn three of this game. This is like turn three, free key coming. I've already on check for my, uh, for a key uh, from Amber. I should have a free key coming. And then, uh, and then I whiff, I whip on the dark depths, whip on the dark depths after <laughs> punching in the name that I had written down. I'm like, oh, succubus and dodger, easy. And they flip over a dodger uh, bit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and so then I, uh, yeah. 
Did you win? Inst- well, instead of coasting to an easy, what would have been like easy 3-1, I lost 3-2. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's, May- <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start with that one. You still don't know the name of the card. Uh, you played Dive Deep twice when you shouldn't have. Like I've, I have a few Dark Discovery decks, and you want to hold that till they have a board. I, you want to hold that until, like, if you're relying on that key. Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm going to think twice it. <laughs> you're going to do it again. Yeah. Double down. <laughs> I have, uh, I've opened two Unchained decks so far. Um, the last one I opened is the most boring deck I've ever seen in my life with 26 creatures, six angry mobs, Phosphorus Stars with no Mars. It's the worst deck I've ever seen. But the other Unchained I opened is really sweet. And it actually has a uh, Unfathomable Amphora Captura. And it has two Dark Discoveries, like with the full suite of, of two copies of each. Haven't played it yet. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. I have a much higher chance of hitting that Dark Discovery uh, with two of them. So that's pretty cool. I like the segment. I'm going to share my own. Um, okay. And it was featuring uh, also my Moirai match from this week. And also against none other than Fudgenator in the chat. He knows exactly where I'm going with this. And it was the reversal, and I gave him my uh, Evil Twin Chronophage deck. I've played that a number of times. I know how tricky Chronophage can be. I've done it to other people. It's evil, and they like mess up, and they're like, oh, crap, what did I just do? Turns over. Don't even think about it. And I'm like, tough luck, sucker. And then <laughs> here I am playing this in reversal, and uh, I'm looking at like my board of untamed creatures. One of them has Skirmish. Chronophage is out there, and I'm like, all right, piece of cake. Just going to fight it off, play my two creatures, play my Fangtooth Cavern, get rid of their other card. Eddie, I think it was. And sure enough, what do I do? First action of the turn. Raise the tide, for whatever reason, and then play the Fangtooth Cavern without doing anything else. I literally drew no cards that turn. Uh, the Fangtooth uh, did kill the Chronophage, at least that much. Mm. Ch- Chelonia. Kill a Chelonia, if I remember right. Oh, did it? I don't want I didn't to say even, so. I didn't even kill the creature that I wanted to kill. Maybe maybe that's true. But I had a big enough board the next turn I could fight it anyway. But like I had this this huge turn already like planned out. I was like, this is great. I'm gonna wipe his board, get rid of the chronophage, get rid of the Chelonia, and then all of a sudden my turn ended and I was like, What happened? And I was like looking around like, Why why can't I Oh man? And then it was too late. Yeah, Fudgenator says I did kill the Chelonia. It was not my Chelonia. No, I, I refute that. It was it was not my Chelonia. So I mean it's fitting. Like it fits the segment if it was my Chelonia. It fits the segment if it wasn't my Chelonia. I don't think it was. It would have been an evil Chelonia. I think it was the evil Chelonia. Okay. Which so I guess in the reversal game he's not wrong. It was my Chelonia. I just let him play with it that game. The reversal the reversal, your Chelonia. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm good for one of these every week, if not every two weeks. I so. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely good for these. Uh, I watch a lot of your games, and <laughs> I, I oh still will never forget the time that you were streaming a game, and you said control the week, and you're like, I'm gonna call this, and then you just clicked Sanctum or something like that. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and sure enough, he has like a handful of Sanctum, and he's like, okay. It was too funny. Just unloads the hand, and I'm like there, scratching my head, like, "Wait, how are you playing all these cards that I, you know, controlled the week you out of? What's going on?" You, you're. Oh, we got to find that clip. It's it's on our channel somewhere. We got to find that clip. Your your look of confusion was just epic. So there you have it. Billion dollar plan, five dollar blunders. I like it. Some self deprecating humor. If you there can't you laugh at yourself, what are you going to do? <laughs> 
laugh with the people in the chat who are laughing at you. <laughs> yes, that's the, that's the next best thing. All right, well, we have to play the the music to get back to the you know the main the main segments. Sloppy, no no audio effects, no intro yep. outro music. We're back to talking about double sided artifacts, and uh, this one, as I said before, I'm going to make the case for this being double sided. Um, and we're talking about ancient battleground. If you could pull up ancient battleground on the stream, when this card was spoiled, I was like, this card is insane. I thought it was like, this card is so good. Uh, I can't wait to play with this. Everyone wants to fight. It says each friendly creature cannot reap and gains after fight gain one. Now mm -hmm. it is just friendly. So it does not apply to your opponents. You're probably thinking this is not a double-sided artifact, but if your opponent plays an ancient battleground and they have no way of getting rid of it, you as the opponent have to strongly consider discarding every creature for the rest of the game. And that's why I think this is a potential double-sided artifact. I got to play a Winds of Exchange game against this probably a couple weeks ago with one of my locals. We had some uh, some decks. Uh, he got his his package in, and I had a few leftover decks from, Winds of, uh, from KFC that I got from other people. And I had a Whirlpool deck, of course. And he had the Ancient Battleground out, and he had a bunch of Mars tokens. He had a huge board. He had some Brobnar creatures. And then it dawned on me after like two turns, I was like, I don't need to play any creatures ever. And um, I had just enough like capture pips with the whirlpool and a amber pips to just, you know, play some, some things out of hand. And I just stopped playing creatures and he would pass me someone hoping that I would play someone else that he could fight it. And I just kept passing it and he wasn't allowed to reap. This card went from like, after that game, this card went for me from being like a really insane, great, strong card in Brobnar to like, you might have to discard this a lot. And it's going to take some good evaluation of decks uh, when you're about to play this to think like, can I win this game if they just immediately discard every creature from here out? Yeah, worth noting that this this is not Pester Grove. Like your creatures are not enraged. They don't get to reap if there's nothing to fight. If there's nothing to fight, you still cannot reap. It's just cannot reap. So yeah, a, a note from the chat, like it's the new Quixel. Like that was 100% going to be my point. Like this might just be the new Quixel stone. I think Quixel Stone in Brobnar is a little awkward in Winds of Exchange. Yeah. You know, uh, the deck that I've pulled up here, I think, has nine nine Brobnar creatures. One, two, three, nine nine and change. Looks like nine. So I don't know. I I I I, I think that there is a double sided yeah incentive. <laughs> I guess it has a double sided effect, which is to. Uh, make no reaping happen for pretty much everybody, but because your opponent's not playing creatures and you're sitting there with a the whole big old board. Yeah. Now, it doesn't say you must fight. It just says you cannot reap, which is also which is also interesting, right? So um, if you have things like Mesmerist, Yixlix Mesmerist, you can still action it. If you This deck happens to have a bot token, so you can still action the bot and then I guess fight with something else or action something else. Yeah, <laughs> so can't reap. Uh, and the, mes the Mesmerist is an action, I think an enemy creature captures one from its own side. So like, if they don't have any creatures out because they're discarding yeah. them, then he's a little less good. One, So I do have one Ancient Battleground deck, and it has the Trader token, which mm -hmm. is an action, steal one, destroy itself. So that's actually a pretty good card to have with the Ancient Battleground, because you don't need to reap to make money. You can at least do the action, destroy itself. So you at least have that backup plan going for it. Um, the other backup plan that I would recommend with it is some kind of artifact control. And mm. my Ancient Battleground deck also happens to have Celestial Gorm. So if there's ever a time when they're just discarding creatures, and I have a huge board of Brobnar that can't do anything, I can at least pop the Celestial Gorm as an Omni, return the uh, Ancient Battleground to my hand. 
reap out. So that's a good backup plan to have as well. If you don't have that kind of backup plan, though, I think you really need to think about like, how many pips do I have in my deck and how many do they have in their deck? Can I win a game where we are just playing action pips and nothing else? You can play mm-hmm. your creatures, um, and if they have a pip, great. But if they don't have an action to gain amber, if you're like relying on reaping, you're probably not going to win that game. If your opponent recognizes that and just discards and, and goes by their ability to just play actions from there out. Yep. Totally. So, funnily enough, the deck that I've pulled up, the deck that I'm probably going to play in our game later, uh, Garland, the Growin's Wing Leader, does feature Ancient Battleground, and it also has a Quixel Stone. It's kind of some <laughs> uh, <laughs> some some nice poetry there. The Star Alliance getting on board with the plan and only having, I think, three creatures. <laughs> but yeah, the Brobnar having a like, full nine. So yeah, let me let me reevaluate the deck I'm going to play and make sure it has artifact control now. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, getting quick getting quick draw nervous over there <laughs> it it does not so you don't need artifact control you just need um you just need lots of pips just need lots of pips all right i think i'm good then yeah i think we're good yeah i unfortunately don't know if i have enough pips to be doing that so we'll see we will see i i have a a shadow throne deck that i'm gonna play so uh i'm all about the fighting uh i'm not i'm not planning on uh getting sweaty and just discarding all my creatures against you in the episode where we're talking about Brobnar fighting. So That's good, because I would have to call you a coward and it would get awkward. <laughs> and I, you would be correct. Um, fast forward 30 minutes and you're screaming at me, calling me a coward. And I'm like, well, at least at least I won. Uh, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and you have the Quixel Stone, which we talked about earlier for whatever random reason, but we have tokens now, so you can get around the Quixel Stone. So I'm, I'm less afraid of the Quixel Stone than I was before winds of exchange and i i think also for this for this deck i mean i'm probably happy to you for you to be going ahead and on board with tokens i'll play my dudes i'll play my brick dasnies if you want your tokens like that's fine i think i'm probably still discarding the quixel though i don't know i have yet to play this deck so we're going to find it maybe we'll just play awesome. all the cards and see what happens you know that's what i like to do when a new set comes out and we can you know i feel like this is relevant now too is i don't worry so much about like is this a good card? Should I play this in this matchup? If it's the first time I'm playing with a new set, play it, see mm-hmm. what happens. Like what's the worst that can happen? The card does terrible for you and you lose the game and then you, you earn that. But if you just discard it, then you're not going to learn anything about it. Not going to learn anything about that right on. Well, cool. Um, I don't know. What else do we have to say about ancient, Battle- ancient battleground? Any nuggets, any nuggets tucked away up there? I'm excited to play it more. I do think that it is, a heavy drawback and i think that there's definitely going to be cases where you don't want to play this as strong as this this fight effect is like it's it's definitely going to be a discard in a lot of decks and a lot of matchups but i'm really i mean it's a really cool card i guess i'm kind of glad it's rare because it's probably going to be i'm going to guess it's dead more often than not but it is a really cool card to to have the chance to play when you get it so i'm um, i'm pretty excited about it who are the creatures featured in the art of that card I was just going to ask you, what the heck are those creatures? Are they are they little prospectors? I don't, I don't know. know. I have no idea. Uh, the Cloggin, do you do you want to spoil this for us? I don't know what those are. What does the, the lore say? Well, we see ancient, but the battle was ongoing as of last week. Ooh, they look like little demon-y, demon-y things. I don't know. Looks fun. Maybe maybe the Cloggin will spoil it for us and we'll, we'll share it. I have, okay. I have no idea what those are. Uh, work for it maybe for next episode all right that's fair tune in next week when we find out what creatures are on ancient battleground okay cool we got the hook quixel sounds freelancer yeah what's yeah, freelancer? Some, cool, some cool quick some cool um cool stuff going on at the start of each player's turn the active player takes control of this creature it's kind of like the uh 
the one curled whirlpool. <laughs> this oh, creature may be used as if it belongs great. to the house. I love it. Yeah, that's just like the Quixelstone whirlpool interaction, but um, the tokens change the math on it. But that's really cool. That's a rare right there. That's a rare. I mean, and you have to be seen too. Because, I mean, I'm looking over this deck. It does seem like a lot of actions making tokens, but there are plenty of creatures that make tokens as play effects or as uh, reap effects. So we'll see. I think folks are getting being very quick to write off Quixel in this new world, but I don't know. I think it's maybe going to take a, a slightly new twist, but uh, I think it's still going to be very much a force. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, we're going to get to a game in a minute, uh, but we have a word from a sponsor first. We do indeed. So this episode of Bot on the Beaker was brought to you by E on the Fringes School of Dance. Uh, whether it's Boogie or Disco, with E on the Fringes, it'll never be you on the Fringes. Thank you very much, Ian the Fringes School of Dance. I appreciate your support for the game and the show. Bottom of the Beaker is recorded Tuesdays at 9.30 Eastern right here at twitch.tv slash You can find recordings of our past shows and archives of other streams over on YouTube. Search for at Sloppy Lopwork there for the very best content. Uh, 34? No, no, 57 times distilled and then scrape from the bottom of the Beaker. Search for that very phrase in your podcatcher of choice. And you'll find us there, uh, ready to fight, capture Amber, and uh, maybe ping you for one. I don't know. All those things. Find all that and more over at sloppylabwork.com. And uh, yeah, quick draw. do you have anything else to say to uh, the folks getting off the last audio stop? Just uh, stay sloppy and keep on fighting. <laughs>